So what if it said it's joust of less room? <laughs> <laughs> He's a knight. Recording that yes, one. I am. Oh my That's god. That's our <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode seven of My Nerdy Year. I am your host, Dan Peck. With me, as always, is Lauren Berger. Hi. Uh, returning to the panel this week is, uh, are you perennial favorite? What's the correct term for this? I don't know. You've been in yeah. a lot of episodes. Bridget Bowes. Huzzah! 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 And we have two new panelists joining us uh, this week. Uh, first is, uh, she's the bestest bestie to Lauren. Uh, she's a great friend of ours. She uh has a lot our joey she is our joey uh she has a lot to say on today's topic uh please say hello to courtney miller hi guys hi oh that was nice of you that bridget's applause huzzah Huzzah. (laughs) and uh last but not least we have uh a very talented young man he has most recently been seen as alfred in and i'm going to mess it up Alexander Manilton. You did it. I got it. All right. Huzzah. Uh, yes, he was in the viral video. He played Alfred. Uh, he is, uh, oh, he's, he's, he's a top shelf nerd. I don't, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to refer to you as that. The patron I- of nerds. Ian Cardoni. Oh, oh to Hello. heck with that. He's the Louis the Fourteenth of. Oh, wow. oh. Did we just switch from liquor to kings? Oh, my no, uh, that is a top shelf liquor. Well, I will say. Yeah. Which I cognac. I will say. Speaking of liquor and kings, it's the perfect segue to this week's episode, <laughs> the Renaissance Fair. Thank you guys for that. That was a great segue. That was a well, great segue. It's okay. Lauren can always tell me when my knowledge of liquor is bottom shelf. That's all right. Uh, so, the Renaissance Fair. Last year in 2015, we went to the Renaissance Fair, as we do most years. but Sometimes twice. Yeah, sometimes twice. But last year was... Uh, probably the first time I committed a little more heavily to the Renaissance Fair, a.k.a. there was a costume involved. There were, there were no tights, but there was a costume involved. Um, it was a great day. We'll put pictures of it up on the Twitter and Instagram. And it's just turned into an annual tradition. Um, and it feels like I've been going forever, and I've only gone a few years in a row. But let's, let's just go around. We'll talk about our first... Uh, Introductions to the Renaissance Fair. We'll start with Lauren. When was the when was the first time you had gone to any fair, let alone the? Um, I feel like there was one when I was a teenager, but really, that's the first one I remember is the first one when we went. That was two years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a good day. And you know, my our our costume collection was so much smaller back then. I only had you know a very flimsy kind of cheap costume lauren and i lauren and i have now worked our way up to a full-on costume closet not even just a not even just a drawer it's it's practically its own wardrobe and i'm not gonna lie a good chunk of it is uh is petticoats yeah Uh, and we're gonna get to how how you got your awesome one in a bit uh let's keep going around uh let's look courtney well that was back when i was wearing talk about tight and flimsy your hustler corset oh that's made the rounds at this point i think everyone in our group has worn that at this Mm -hmm. point i mean you've worn it lauren's worn it Uh, me lauren has worn it Separate Lawrence, by the way. Yeah, it's this very Bo Peep style, definitely not Ren Fair, a little too much satin, black and baby blue. I actually blue. wore it to be little Bo Peep one year. You did. Yeah. Um, but my, my first Ren Fair, I guess my, my first proper Ren Fair was with this crew from the archery range. And I went and I wore that said corset and I 
immediately knew that Lauren and I were going to be coming back to do it together because it just was the perfect combination of desert Game of Thrones style marketplace heat turkey legs. Oh, it's always hot. It is always dangerously hot. Usually and the costumes don't tend to help. Elizabeth Swan and pirates uh, on the side of a cliff hot. (laughs) Was that the year we also went to the Simi Valley one? Uh, I, I believe that, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we actually did too. The Simi Valley one is in November, and it's ever so much cooler, and mm-hmm. it's grass. Yeah. And that was actually the first one that we went to with Ian, but yes. I know that you had definitely yes. made the rounds before that, so why don't you... Ian's costume was epic that time. Oh, thank you for did that. Did that one involve tights? That one did, yes. <laughs> He's got the wow. legs for it. I can he say really that. He really does. <laughs> it's actually the only reason I work out my legs is for talking about those tights. Um, well, my first Renaissance Fair experience, I, um, I I actually had that on the East Coast. It was um, it was when I, so back in Massachusetts, there's King Richard's Fair, which is not an Elizabethan fair. It's not. It's not. It's a different period of the Renaissance, slightly earlier, and they're a little bit lax on the costumes that you can wear to that one. So you can they, there were there were full armored knights there. Mm-hmm from more medieval time periods and they just mixed all these sorts of things there was a whole crew of pirates and it's it's a smaller fair but it's been going on for a very long time and it takes place during the fall in new england Mm. so and it's set set among all these trees and everything probably some good apples during during that season (laughs) definitely definitely good apples nearby a lot of cranberry bogs nearby oh so it's a a much different feel of a fair yeah and uh it was interesting making that switch coming out here and going to the desert for a a rent Mm. fair it's vast uh, yes so vast so much bigger and i i just want to say i love them both for their respective reasons. No, it's fine. I, <laughs> I I doubt that there are people sitting there. It's like, how dare he judge my Ren Fair worse than <laughs> this other one? The All Ren-, Ren Fairs are created equal. Yes, the Ren Fair yes. critics, are, they have their knives drawn for you. Indeed. The Simi Valley one, though, takes place in the fall around here, and it's a little bit more akin to the one that I was used to back home. Mm-hmm. Right. Temperature-wise, right. at least. Yeah. <laughs> you can really do up the costumes better at that one because you're not sweltering. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Lauren found the medieval Dole Whip yes. counter there, which <laughs> is clearly a Disneyland favorite and, you know, getting well, to eat it in corset. We're going to get to talking about the food mm. as its own topic, but I'd like to hear Bridget's uh, yes. foray. Uh, well, my first Ren Fair, I was pretty young. I would say I was probably 11 or 12. Like, again, the one thing we have learned consistently in this podcast is that you have pretty cool family members. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously, I'm My mom actually took me and my younger brother, I believe, and there was a Renaissance fair right outside of Pittsburgh, where I'm from. And so we that was the very first run fair that I, I remember going to. It was much smaller than the one here. Um and then I also actually went with my college roommates to one in Virginia, right outside of D.C. Um, at one point before moving out here. And the one out here I've gone to every year since I've been here. But um, does it really count as a Ren fair if you can't drink at it? Because no, <laughs> um, no it does not. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, but I'm not the authority on this. So, okay. I, you, you know, you know, there is no authority on it. I'm making myself the authority on it. Yes, it's a Ren Fair. All right. Well, uh, it, it's funny, though, because it's like when Ian was talking about, you know, the wrong periods of time for it. There's um, in the comic book Sandman, 
uh, the, the main character is the representation of Dream itself, so he's immortal. And uh, one of the amazing things is that he is uh, friends with William Shakespeare. And at one point, I don't remember if it is Shakespeare or if it's another man, but it's a man who lived during the Renaissance period, and then he they go to a Renaissance fair. He's like, they just slapped the word Renaissance on this, but it's the wrong era. And it's, it's 100% true, but that's why I think, like, the blanket term for it, and that's why I... If, you know, the absence or inclusion of alcohol does not, you know, make it or break it. It's just, it's the Renaissance no, fair. It was, it is, it was, I was just, it, uh, no, of course. It's, it was actually going at a very young age was so enjoyable because it still kind of has this magic and mystery about what is going on uh, at the Ren Fair. I'm not going to lie. I, I think now our life goals are to be as cool as your family. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's already had those goals jotted down for her family. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had a not super nerdy family. They're very straight-laced. That's so. why you're coming into mine. We're a little, yeah. little more nerdy. But I uh, love hearing about Bridget's family because they're so, like, They're pretty great. Awesome. I, so, <laughs> I love them all. Um, it's time for me to admit something. This is what I refer to as the great shame. It's like you want you're you're becoming part <laughs> Do of I my need family. Do I to ring a bell? And oh, there <laughs> there is, okay, and there will be a there will if anyone listens to this, there probably will be a meme of this. But my great shame is that um, as much as I love going to the Renaissance Fair and like really living it up in my mind, I'm always like thinking it's like oh this is like sort of what it'd be like to be in a role playing game. I have never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life or any yes I know or any pen and paper traditional role-playing game Dan I have to tell you yeah I never have either okay well that makes so, me feel so much better but it's like I know Courtney hasn't for <laughs> I'm for, new to it for like a decade people have been saying to me when I tell them this they just can't believe it they're like but you're writer and you were a theater kid and you're a huge nerd how did you never do it and it was just like you know, it was there was a fine line back in high school. It was like towing that line was just a little too far gone. Whereas now it's totally acceptable. Um, but the good news is, I've since admitting this to people, uh, people want to get me to play my first one. So at some point um, on our YouTube channel, uh, we are going to have a video of my first role playing game, and. Uh, I don't know when it'll be, but at some point I'm going to rectify this great gap in my nerdity and basically complete my set. And I think Bridget's going to have to be a part of this now, too. Yeah, that sounds like that. Yeah. All right. Maybe not. <laughs> I'll bring the popcorn. All right. It's no, really I, fun. I yeah. promise. Yeah. And Lauren is, in, Lauren is in a, a weekly game now. So she really is putting me to shame in terms of I am the bard. Out I am the skill monkey and I love it. There is something magical, you know, to use that word that Bridget just said about putting yourself into this entirely different world. And that's the way that I feel like when I go to the Ren Fairs is, you know, in whether it's games or computer or even movies, when you watch the movies that take you back to that point in time, it brings you into a place that normally we don't get to experience. And when I set foot, you know, in Irwindale at the Renaissance Pleasure Fair, which is the biggest in the country, by the way. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel like I'm walking around, you know, swinging my wooden axe that I've bought. Of which you will see a picture of. Ooh, it's a good (laughs) axe. It's really good. Um, But to your point, Dan, I I mean, though I've never played a board game Dungeons and Dragons style, I did grow up playing Ultima Online, which is kind of yeah. rather like, yeah. you know, the role-playing and I've, game of the Renaissance. You know, yeah, I've, I've played World of Warcraft. I've played 
lots of RPGs and stuff like that, but it just feels like this giant gap in my credibility to never have done the the pen and paper. But we'll set it right. We'll set I enjoy it. it because there are very few things where I out nerd you. I know, but can <laughs> I didn't we can we nerd this possible. together? I know. I really didn't. That's I, that's the real reason why I'm going to do it. I need to, I need to, I need to regain the upper hand. <laughs> Dan is like, I want that coin, number one, in this family. I was resistant to joining Dungeons & Dragons games until someone phrased it as, it's Skyrim in real life. Yeah. You just have to do it with dice instead of a controller. And that's that's why I got involved. It's <laughs> actually really fun. I really enjoy it. Um Sometimes you don't get the right group of people, but they can always be addressed mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. I feel like you really started because you bought that chalice. Yeah. And you- yeah. L- Lauren got this amazing pewter chalice at last year's fair. It was last, yeah, year's, last fair. year's fair. I went a second time You're to the welcome. Irwindale with Bridget. <laughs> AKA bank account, watch out. Dan was super, super happy I went with Lauren. <laughs> well, I'd been ready and I was, I think I was still sunburnt and sweating from the week's pre. Yes, but my, my response whenever anyone says, I don't know, should I buy this? Is yes, yes, you should buy it. <laughs> and that is how I ended up with this awesome pewter chalice with dragons around the, mm-hmm. the goblet stem. Purple it, gems studying. Yeah. It. Oh. It's oh my God, it's, it's amazing. It's her Game of Thrones or it I is. just want to feel cool. Walking it's around fit. the house. And I and I drink from it every week while I do D and D. It's a power queen. Yeah, it's a power cup. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will also post a picture of the costume that yeah. Bridget encouraged me to buy, which is awesome. And this year people were taking pictures of me at the oh, run fair. It was very nice. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It basically, was quite something. Basically we have a whole costume section that we can mix and match everything yes. from from just even what, two years of going yeah. to Ren Fair. Mm-hmm. And Courtney and I have now just pooled all of it. And it's all like in our second bedroom, which is the Courtney room. Which then, of course, is tough because we're like, oh, do we want to buy this? It makes it seem like it's it's more manageable. It really does. And then, of it's course, not, I'm the I'm does. the wet blanket. Usually, I'm like, well, you already have nine petticoats. <laughs> I mean, you really need a tenth. And and Bridget would say, yes, you do. Huzzah! Yeah. And that is why Bridget's awesome. Um, so on the subject of costumes, uh, another really cool thing that came up last year was that Lauren and I went to the LA Opera costume sale. It was, uh, they only do it once every handful of years. It's downtown LA. I think it's only the third one they've ever had when they move a warehouse and they have to just clear out a bunch of stuff. So we got down there at about eight in the morning or so and we were already about 25 people back and- At least we're on the same block. Yeah. And (laughs) We were not around the corner. When those gates opened, it was like a mad stampede of people going after these outfits. And some of these were like thousands of dollars worth of outfits. But we were a little more uh, responsible. I just got a couple of like, you know, peasant shirts and a pair of pants. And I got this amazing floor length uh, black coat. Um, Well, I mean, he got a a hero coat. Yeah. I mean, it's floor length. (laughs) Because I'm not that tall. I'm not like a regular guy. It's probably only up to like the ankles or so. Um, but it's amazing. But Lauren walked away with this enormous petticoat. 30 pound quilted bustle petticoat. Yeah. With like, I mean, the quality craftsmanship here is amazing. And what's awesome is that inside each piece, it has the name of the person who wore it and what they wore it in. And this petticoat was from Falstaff, which yeah. was just awesome. And I... I both Courtney and Bridget, you've both used this petticoat, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. correct? Yeah, I actually haven't. Oh, you haven't? I've, I've only used the the we bought it because we needed one. You know, it's $30. a crinoline. It, it's it's it works. Little, I will little. say that thirty pound one was only forty five dollars. It and was 
amazing. Yeah. And you rock it. And it's yeah. amazing. It. Although you have no spatial awareness at the no. fair. <laughs> Especially really... once I add in the parasol. Yeah, it's so wide. <laughs> and it's like, you know, even though it's a huge red fair, it's still just crowded. Excuse and I'm, I'm me? constantly apologizing. Excuse me. I am royalty. Other people have to move for me. Yes, my lady. She has a dang good curtsy. And when you poke her in the butt with your axe, <laughs> she cannot feel it through all the layers of petticoats. So it's very fun to walk oh, behind but a her. Real, a real princess would feel it as if, as if it were a pee. Ooh. A real princess is polite enough to ignore it there you go um shame shame the great shame um so i want to i want to come back to uh what we got started on talking about before it's one of my absolute favorite things about the ren fair the food so good good. oh my god um my go-to is the toad in a hole uh although according to it's not really a toad in a hole. Yeah, it's basically uh, it's, a medieval hot pocket, but yeah, I don't care. It's sausage wrapped in <laughs> puff pastry. It's the best. It's, oh, my God. Like, and it know. takes about the time to come out that a medieval hot pocket would, and not two yeah. minutes in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes yeah. in line. Well, but, that's only because there's like usually 20 people in front of us in the line, and we have to wait. Yeah. But, but it's worth it. It's totally but, worth it. And whenever I tell someone that we're going to the Ren Fair, it's always, oh, you're getting the giant turkey legs. No. And of course they have the giant turkey legs. But, but that's the, not what you go for. Yeah, the fair that we go to has just more food options than you'd ever would have it's thought. It's a high school gymnasium area like high school gymnasium sized area uh, of gym- just food. Your high school is a lot bigger than mine. I guess I'm mine. the only one that goes for the beer. <laughs> we already yeah. do that. I don't go for the food. No, not the beer. I There's- go for the mead and the oh. cider. Yeah. And I bring my own flask to yeah. put the mead in. Which is fun to watch as we're trying to juggle two cups of cider and a tiny cup of mead. And oh, can someone hold my, my bow and arrow? <laughs> Yes, Courtney actually got a really awesome bow last year. Yeah. I did. I did. You that that was my fired. splurge. You haven't I ha- fired it yet, have I you? I haven't yet. I haven't oh. yet because I just have to have one of the guys string it for me properly. And well, yeah. plus your range is closed right now, it isn't is. it? Yeah. It is sad. A ranger would find a real range. I would. <laughs> it's not the same. It's it's family. Family is my range, and that's why I haven't shot it yet. But that was actually at the Nottingham Fair that we went to with Ian which was we happened to stumble into one of those little shops. This is what Bridget was saying about the dangers of, ooh, should I? <laughs> we, we found this bow that I, I was like, that's an English longbow. I, I know that maker. And and what? It's only, it's a hundred bucks? Yeah, I'm getting that bow. I'm definitely getting that bow. Should I? Yes. That's a and then you we heard pu- me in your ear just whispering. <laughs> and then we put a stuffed hedgehog puppet on top of it. Yeah. <gasps> Those hedgehogs were adorable. They really were. We got matching hedgehog puppets. <laughs> the things you'll buy when you're in the in the mood. What 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 are some things that you have splurged on, Ian? At the Ren Fair? Yeah. Um well, apart from food and drink, I think well, that's necessity. Yeah, that's <laughs> but I, to the point though, you, you have to splurge if you want to have drinks for the day and yeah. food for yes. the day. It, it is not cheap to eat at the fair. Um I Honestly, I think the most I've ever spent was back at King Richard's Fair on a set of really nice feathers for hats that... Not the answer are, I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. ...are actually really expensive. I was expecting two, three bucks per feather. It was closer to 10 to 15 to 20 per feather. Really long, nice dyed peacock feathers. I was going to say, were they fresh feathers. from the peacock? They pluck them fresh. They actually just bring the peacock to you and, <laughs> and say, you good the, luck. And you pick your own It's farm feather. to hat. <laughs> I try to do my costume shopping outside of the Ren Fair. Yeah, that's... You're smart. I get, that's I get a smart specialty call. items um, such as that at, uh, at the fair. 
I will say the peasant type shirts that Dan got at the LA Opera, he got them there for 15 a piece. At the run fair, they are 60 a piece. Mm-hmm. It is worth shopping outside of the run fair. Yeah. And I'm I'm not talented at all when it comes to sewing, so I can't make anything. I'm so, trying to be. Yeah, it's it's so it's either Lauren attempting to I, I say, Hey, can you do this? And she's like, No. <laughs> or I have to find another way to make uh things work. But I think shopping in the run fair is also a way to support the vendors that we yes. feel this familiarity yeah. coming back to them. So while there is shopping that we definitely should do and mental note need to do outside the Ren Fair each year, you know, we, we look forward to going back and getting to go to whether it's Pendragon costumes or Who we love. It just embodies that feeling and and we like to go do that. Yes. Oh, it's on it's on my wish my wish list definitely to have one of their coats. Their long overcoats. Oh my god, their coats are amazing. It is I mean, I haven't been able to splurge on something such as that just yet, but I definitely it's on my wish list. I think if you get that you have to be prepared for a life of crime fighting. Like <laughs> I think Ian already is. Yeah, there's just no yeah, if ands or buts. Oh. No, every every guy no, needs a long coat like that. Like the one you were talking about that you yeah. got at the opera reminds me of like the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. yeah. And every time you see that you're like, oh, All that's these a- agree. Mm. Men look good in long mm. long coats. Well, David Tennant. <laughs> David Tennant with Jack Harkness. Oh. I, I'm thinking more along the lines of Peter Capaldi's overcoat oh, and okay. and hmm. the new um, not to go off topic. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Every every episode devolves into Doctor Who and time travel. It's okay. Bring it all in. We see doctors um, at the fair every year. At least yeah. three every year. Time sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So and, and Eddie Redmayne's coat from the <gasps> teaser poster for yes. Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. That coat. Yeah, that's a good one. If I could have that coat. I mean, I would never buy another. That's coat. That's pretty much the Eleventh Doctor's <laughs> outfit, though. To yeah. be perfectly yeah. honest, same same type of style. Hey, when I get better at sewing, we'll make it. I dig that. Um, so in the vein of costumes, uh, we're going to shift focus just a little bit. Uh, L.A. every year now has a tradition in the summertime. They have the Labyrinth of Jareth Masquerade. Now, unfortunately, we were unable to go in 2015, but in 2014, uh, Lauren and Courtney and I went to this event, and it is – Unbelievable! Like if you if you go online and just search for images from it, the costumes that some people make for this event are just jaw dropping. There was a couple. They her skirt was a three dimensional diorama of a snowy mountain village, and it lit up. Well, you get stuff you'd see at the equivalent of the Met Ball this year. Yeah. Claire Danes mm. wore this light up Cinderella oh, yeah, that was amazing. That We've there. seen stuff like that at Jareth, and they make them themselves most of the time, which mm-hmm. is just mind-boggling our our costumes were a little more modest that year but the real real kicker was that uh lauren and courtney decided that they were going to uh paint glitter designs on their backs i i didn't get my craftiness out in high school and i didn't have like a best friend like i do now and courtney and i are like sisters I mean, she has her own room at at our apartment and at my parents' house. (laughs) And much to the chagrin of those parents, when I show up with a bucket of glitter and a a thing of eight eight little bits of glue, (laughs) and uh, or hair chalk, we're gonna paint wings (laughs) on us. And no, granted, they looked great. However, (laughs) here we are, two years later, we're still Still finding finding glitter glitter. from it. So, um, and a a worthy. 
Oh, totally. I mean, people were taking pictures of us and we, you know, it was our first time going to Jareth and we thought, okay, we're going to be on the more modest side. You know, we don't know what we're doing. People thought the glitter was so cool. People were taking pictures of us and pictures of our backs because that's where most of the glitter was. It was so cool. You looked so cool. You too. (laughs) Oh man, that was a, that was fun. It's great to have a best friend that when you say, I want wings on my back and I'd like them to look at this, we'll figure out how to do it. Uh, so we're going to go circle back to the fair a little bit. Um, another first in last year's attending was going to the joust and everyone here has been to the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, had never been to it, but when I was a kid, um, my family and I went to Las Vegas and I saw the show at the Excalibur, <laughs> which they is very similar. Joust? They do a joust. It's Wait, very similar to medieval times. No, I've never been to Medieval Times. I've been every year since I was 10 years old. I, I've not much. been to Medieval Times. Uh, uh, I was going to go I for my... I have not either. I was gonna, <gasps> wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. So we were going to go to Medieval Times for my 27th birthday. Yes. And we were looking at it because it's sort of a drive from us and, uh, you know, looking into it. Um, however, in Anaheim... Just a couple blocks away from Medieval Times is this pirate adventure dinner theater. And so we did my birthday party there instead. <laughs> One block across the street. Yeah. I promise to not be negative, so I'm going to not comment. <laughs> we had a blast. And... Well, you know what, Bridget? Yes. You'll just have to take us. Let me, I would be honored to take you to Medieval Times. And the I know I have friends who perform in the pirate show, and it's very good, but... To my experience, there is no comparison to the experience Guys, you get at medieval podcast party. Podcast, podcast party. panel party. Yeah, I'm down. No, I, look, let's go. I'm not. I'm not defending the pirate performance or with a script or there. anything. But we had a really good time, <laughs> that's, that's and fair. we were dubbed honorary pirates. Oh, to which uh, Mike and our friend Steve and I all just instinctively cheered, and the performers looked at us and started laughing. <laughs> you can't. Pirate show, eat with eat the food with your hands, and then you can cheer eat. With, you can eat with your hands anywhere you okay, want. That's fair. <laughs> but you're not required to eat with your hands. And then also, you know, at the end of medieval times, you get to be like cheering and saying, "Cut off his head!" And thanks for ruining the, the end of medieval huzzah. times. For you know what? For our viewers, I think the five of us are now going to have to go to Medieval Times. We're we will post pictures. Actually leaving this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm going to go and see it. And Please we'll pause and, and turn over to side B. Bridget's booking tickets on her. Hi, we're back from Medieval Times. <laughs> no, no, no one's going to believe it. Um, no, but the, the show at the Excalibur was very similar to that. It was the eat with your hands thing. So I've had that experience, but not in a long time. But. I want to. Well, now when I go to Vegas, I want to gamble. So it's I don't so really good. go to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so okay. the Joust. It's it, it was it was a great show. Uh, um, I don't remember. No, I don't think our night won. He did not. He did not. Eh, well, I feel he like he lost me. relatively quickly, but it was still really fun. Yeah. Um, but it always makes me <laughs> every time I see like the Joust. I have a weird fondness for the movie A Knight's Tale, and I know a lot of people do, too. You guys Courtney's can't see Courtney, but she's, like, out. spazzing. Oh, my God. Queen? Heath Ledger? Yeah. Ellen Tudyk? Oh, my yeah. God. Paul Bettany? Coats. Speaking yeah. of coats. Right? Oh, and uh, and uh, what's his face? Robert Baratheon. Like, when I watch that movie, it's like, no, that's how I, that's how I watch that movie now. It's the Joker is fighting uh, the bad guy from... Uh, 
Mission Impossible 2, along with the help of Wash and Robert Baratheon and, uh, well, Paul Bettany's been, Vision, yeah, we'll go Vision. All right, he's been in a lot of stuff, but yeah. Speaking of great coats, seriously, like (laughs) naked Paul Bettany striding down the road and then wearing that yellow coat. See, that's why all men need a fantastic long coat. Yes, that yellow coat. I I would love that coat. That would again, be a coat I would want to get. Again, I will get better at sewing, and we will make coats. And Certainly. we will let you wear clothing under it. Okay, yes. good. Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I was actually worried. <laughs> I, I will require that you wear clothing Excellent. underneath, please. Um, I, I watch that movie every Renaissance Fair Eve. <laughs> every night before I know I'm going to the fair. I always watch. Wait, is that true? Yes. I think I need. I think I need to institute that every time. I think I'm gonna hop on that. Yeah. Let's get in on that. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This is very similar to when we did the Star Trek panel very shortly thereafter because we were talking about Galaxy Quest and we had to watch it. Now I feel like we have to watch a Night's Tale, but it's good because it's on like TNT every single week. Yep. (laughs) I own it on DVD just in case. Oh, (laughs) all right. Just in cases. We're not ready to wrap it up yet, but uh, without getting too deep into anything recently i want to dip our toe into game of thrones because it sort of fits with the feel mm-hmm. of it <laughs> mm-hmm. ian has this look on his face are you so. bursting at the seams to I, talk about it or have you not watched I, I, it? <laughs> no I, i'm all caught up but i don't know if the viewership no we're, we are talking. not talking about this we're not talking about season six we well, we will only so go as far bad. as season five but even then i don't even want to talk about plot stuff there are enough there are enough Game of Thrones podcasts that they do much better justice to it than us like that. I just want to talk about how amazing it is that there is now a mainstream hit that, for all intents and purposes, is high fantasy. Because it didn't start off that way. It started off as a period piece with fantasy elements, but we have now made it to this point where it's one of the highest rated shows on TV. And it's high fantasy. Yeah, and it's high fantasy. And it's just like... it words are escaping me which is bad because this is all words <laughs> yeah I, I i totally know where you're going with this though because i mean really i've been into this genre probably it was the earliest genre that i got into right and since a young age they've been trying to make these adaptations in the high fantasy realm and like if you look at I don't know if anyone out there has seen the Dungeons and Dragons movie that was made. I remember the trailer for it. It was not great. And then they tried Legend of the Seeker and the Wheel of Time series. I enjoyed Legend of the Seeker. I did too, but nothing has reached anywhere close to that. Well, Lord of the Rings is sort of what kicked off the modern trend. And that's when like you saw a lot of copycat Mm -hmm. things where there wasn't as much success. And then Game of Thrones was one of the only ones to actually latch on Mm -hmm. and do so. I mean, we were also in the height of um, fantasy, uh, sorry, uh, fiction books being adapted for mediums, um, which I also kind of credit to Lord of the Rings, but I also credit the Harry Potter books popularity for doing that. But yeah, Lord of the Rings was the first, like it felt like the first one for grownups and uh, this was to never ending story. Oh, I love that's for grown-ups so. too yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie I, I, I'm, I'm not saying anything about i'm not saying anything negatively right that is an amazing movie and i still love it to this day um uh, i will tell one game of thrones story it, it is a season one spoiler so if you haven't seen season one yet shame i'm on sorry you. um shame so yes <laughs> uh so uh one of our friends who will actually be in the next episode uh greg uh he was staying uh at uh, when mike and i were uh, still roommates he was staying with us one summer uh because he was 
doing grad school elsewhere and was staying with us. And uh, season one of Game of Thrones had just ended and Greg hadn't seen it. So we said to him, oh, you got to watch it. And we started watching it and Greg was devouring it. And we got to the end of episode nine. And here's the spoiler. Oh, Ned loses his head. Is that really a spoiler? Yeah, uh, I don't know. (laughs) That cemented the Sean Bean legacy. I mean, the sheer number of jokes about Sean Bean getting his head cut off should really have spoiled it already. So, but this was, this was, it had only just finished airing like a couple weeks previous to that. And we watched that episode and Greg got so mad. (laughs) I've never seen anyone this mad. And he refused to watch episode 10. He's like, I can't believe it. I only started watching the show because I love Sean Bean. And Mike and I calmed him down. We're like, look, just watch the next episode. Fine. He sat there with his arms crossed. And I had recently picked up the books because I wanted to start reading them. And after he watched episode 10, like a couple days later, he's like, all right, can I borrow book one? (laughs) (laughs) And within, uh, I don't know, two weeks, he had read all four of the books because five was just about to come out and he's just devoured and he's the biggest fan ever and it's just I love to tease him so much about that story. Well, we love to tease him about many things. That's what's so great about Game of Thrones though is because there's co- these constant turns of like well okay this is the good guy this is going to be the end of the story and then, you're, and then he dies and you're like well, but, but okay this guy this next guy this he's going to be the hero of the story and you just can't get attached to anyone and, at this yeah, point. You just well, don't know. It's funny, like, I'll watch something, and I'll be watching it with Dan, and it seems like the main character is going to die, and I'll look at the year it was made, I'm like, no, 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 it's pre-Game of Thrones, they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Now no one's safe. I feel that some of the success of Game of Thrones, and uh, I guess Song of Ice and Fire as well, the books as well as the the TV show. We get it, you're a dork. (laughs) No, I just, and and I'll just put that out there, I haven't read it. Okay. But, um... You should. But just saying, yeah, I don't know, I know. Uh, I definitely should. That's okay. I've been stuck on page 71 of book three for almost what? two years. Three? Book three is the best I'm book. very busy making a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah, two please jobs. Continue. And Dan's, please, please continue. Please. Dan's going to go read. I'm going to talk for a second. Um, so I think the success about it is that it is, as for as much of it as it's a fantasy, it's it doesn't care that you care. <laughs> it, it, it is history. It, it almost has, it it has zero something well, to it, give. It mir- yeah, it mirrors actual historical events where you know there, there was no narrative during the War of the Roses. There was no narrative back in Roman times. Even some of the stuff that Game of Thrones touches upon, and so the ruthlessness of Game of Thrones just mirrors the ruthlessness of actual history. And that's just brilliant. I take it one step further. It's not that they don't care that you care. They love that you care. (laughs) And then they spite you for it. That's true. (laughs) Well, kind of what Ian was just saying about it, taking something that is very real. And in terms of you saying it's one of the few juggernaut mainstream hits on that fantasy scale is that it did not start off as, it started off very quickly, actually, as, as a huge epic, you know, social beast that just transformed but in terms of when it started you know there was the the history and the idea of dragons and there was the mm-hmm. threat of there's these white walkers but but no one really believes it's yeah, just this it's, thing yeah it's built its credibility yeah, which so, is i think part of the reason that they can get away with yeah, what they're getting away with they now again without they live saying in a real anything. world they yeah. live in the world that medieval people feared 
So for that's a great way to put it. Actually, they thought there were dragons, or they thought there were this, and in this world, it just so happens that those things once existed and will exist again. But what is able to then connect with so many people is that it is it is real. It is the the War of the Roses. It's the Tudors. It's it's so many different things that it's once the dragons come in, we're You're already, already hooked. hooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and a huge testament to the acting in the show, I think too. Um, just as far as the TV show playing out, the actors have really done their work. I mean, these are masters who have made the relationships in the show so important. Oh God, Peter Dinklage. And without those relationships being important, without those actors really doing their job, all of this fantasy stuff would have no foundation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So real good job on that show. Yeah, I haven't heard any instances of people being turned off once those elements do come into it, which is great. It's like, because... It's gateway fantasy. Yeah, you kind of got tricked into it in the best way possible. Like they really did you know the dragons don't show up till episode 10 <laughs> you know they're coming but they don't exist until then it's, uh, it's kind of like winter you know it's coming oh so i think long. winter Dang. might be here but no we're not going to talk about it. um it's la winter never comes i would like to talk about weapons now okay Ooh, weapons weapons are dangerous but weapons are also really pretty and fun <laughs> Shiny. and awesome yeah uh, every it, it is it is actually quite good that I don't tend to go to the fair with Bridget because every time I go there is some sort of sword or we could remedy that Dan no we no could. well well um, I do have a sword which was weekends. I do have a sword which was Lauren's card. Lauren's <laughs> first anniversary gift to me was a an amazing real sword so I have a sword. <laughs> Um, that's love it is um, but his face when he opened it was I, amazing I really I really want I, oh my god every time I go I just want to spend money but I'm afraid to be, become a sword guy <laughs> join us we Dan. we can become sword people um, but on the subject of weapons that brings us to the big question alright <laughs> This episode's big question is, you are given complete mastery over one weapon. What weapon and why? Who would like to go first? I'd like to go first. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't tell. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I think I'm not going to be the only one with this answer. But when you look at some of the great high fantasy movies out there there's there's always that one person that is just the coolest just the most badass wait can i say that yeah um and that would be the the person with the bow and arrow because you know they just there's so many options with fighting with it you can fight from a distance and you just look really cool when you're doing it so i just and, you know, Courtney can speak to this because she actually is experienced. <laughs> she is. Mm-hmm. She's archery. actually pretty. There's something fluid and dangerous and strong about the bow and, and arrow. Too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's poetry yeah. in motion. It's dancing while you're fighting. And I just, you look so cool when you're with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I, I would agree with Bridget. I feel like it gives you a certain amount of control and a certain amount of you know, beauty to it. And to, it allows to you to protect your city. Yes. <laughs> yes. It also, allo- it you also allows failed. you to protect from a distance. You have failed this podcast. <gasps> I, t- I take it back. I take it back. You have not oh, failed this podcast. You are banished. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got we've got uh, Bridget and Courtney's answers. Ian. 
Uh, so I have two because or I have two two things to say on this. Speak I, your mind, boy. I overthought the question. Oh, life. that so is often that do. is the tradition of the big um, question. Well, if we're talking medieval and Renaissance time period here, uh, I would say that the pen is mightier than the sword. Oh, and I, in oh. in in a continent in a continent of people who are illiterate and who are looking <laughs> to people such as the scribes and the monks and the the nobles to tell them what's what. Or to write their poetry. I mean, you could change the world if you could if you knew how to use a pen. So I'd say literacy and proficiency in translations of the classics and Do all that stuff. Do you have a mic for him to drop? I don't know, but now now <laughs> I now I know how you play Civilization. Though you're not worried about researching, you know, walls and weaponry. You're worried. Okay, you're going the right. Well, I and and you know I do go to to the arts first. I think. Yes. Um, oh my god, I can never get any of the great wonders. It's so the civilization. I love you, but it's you're too impossible. Hard. It's too hard. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, Winston Churchill once said during World War II they were trying to take money away from the arts in order to fund the war effort, and he says, "Well, then what are we fighting for?" Mm. And oh. so I I, oh, I I think art is absolutely. I think our greatest weapon, our greatest defense. I believe he also said, can we do something about these stupid bombs falling on us? <laughs> hey, something, something he was well-spoken. Bridget and I will take to the rooftops. Yeah. <laughs> my my actual answer, as far as real, in your hands, medieval weaponry, though, um, you said given mastery, not actually given the weapon. And True. it was very, very hard to come by good steel and a great blacksmith that can make you a sword. So it seems... You know, I, I've had a sword in my hand just for stage combat reasons and for fun since I was a toddler. But um, toddler? No, that's I, too young. I, I love swords. I have <laughs> learned to use it, respect it. Okay. Young, and then you can. I can vouch for his love of swords. I love swords. I have several. Um, and the but the thing is, back then it was very hard to get a sword. It would cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is especially so, appropriate when you see when you see the leg. picture of this week's podcast and the shirt that Lauren is wearing. <laughs> it's right. the Black Knight from Holy Grail. So as much as I would love to have mastery over swords, it wouldn't be very practical. If I was living in the Renaissance or in the medieval times, I would want an axe, a little piece of metal on a stick that you can, you know, just a one-handed axe. It's most versatile, most easy to come by. And if you could be the best in the room with that, chances are you'd actually get a chance to show off that skill and survive. And it's a tool also, so it's, you know, right for wilderness things. That was exactly. so well thought out. Yeah. Ian is basically going to outlive us all in, re- <laughs> in medieval just, renaissance style. Yeah, he, yeah. He's Ian. Ian is awesome. Lauren. Thank you. Twin short swords. <laughs> just side I'm going to interrupt real quick. I just love, it was like, Ian just made a case for why you shouldn't have a sword. Immediately. <laughs> twin short swords. I love you. <laughs> twin short swords that are on my back and crossed so that when I have to fight, I have to draw them out over my shoulders. And I want to I wanna battle capoeira style with like the swinging and the dancing. Like just look like you're doing ballet, but with swords. Grace in movement. Yes. Well... Uh, I am uh, a, a dirty, rotten cheater <laughs> because I made this question and I could look as deeply into it as I wanted. So the weapon that I choose for mastery of is a wand. Oh, come <laughs> on. I did not say it had to be a real weapon. Boom. <laughs> they sell them at the fair. Wait, it's a good question. I, I changed my answer. No, 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 no. You had... Time. No. Um, I will say, I will say that if he has a wand in a world like this where magic does not exist necessarily, 
My his just, weapon is useless and it's a stick of wood. My <laughs> my truthful <laughs> answer is also the bow and arrow. Um, but I just wanted to really just needle you guys. No pun intended. Needle Game of Thrones. I just uh, that would be my second weapon. Would be the fencing style swords. Needle. See? No, you'd have to learn how to fight with your arrows though. You, well, can I do yeah. both? Is there a world where I like, said mastery you can look at one. this You're one. Right. Weapon. <laughs> mastery over one. No, no, no. My mastery would be See, would be the bow and arrow. You are all, except for Ian, distance people. Me, I want to get up close and personal. And if I'm going to kill someone, I want to kill someone. And I want their blood on my hands and I want to know that they're dead see, but I, I, in hypothetical yeah. times. But see, yes, I like, in hypothetical. But I would also use it for hunting. I would use it for potentially income at like, you know, they had, yeah, shooting competition and such like that. I, I, even as a kid uh, in Cub Scouts, I really liked bow and arrow. And then when I was a camp counselor um, where there was terrible supervision, um, <laughs> I would often fire two arrows at once on our range. And I was actually better with two arrows than I was with one. Well, then we are well suited because I'll, uh, I'll do the hand-to-hand and you do the ranged. I'll write you a poem. Yay. <laughs> You'll be our bard. There you go. Yeah. Bridget, would you like to journey off on an epic adventure with me? Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> uh, well, I think that's going to, you know, bring about the end of this episode. I want to thank all my panelists for being here. Courtney Miller, Ian Cardoni, Bridget Bowes, Lauren Berger. Huzzah! Huzzah! Please be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, don't follow us in person. That's just creepy. <laughs> um, subscribe, comment, all those things you're supposed to say at the end of a podcast. I'm saying that. And please join us next time when we will be talking about San Diego Comic Con. That was that was that was spooky. It's not spooky Diego <laughs> Comic Con. I don't know. Once you get down to the bowels, <laughs> all right. Okay, fine. Ooh. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to My Nerdy Year. Our theme song, Crunk Night, is written and performed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons. For full credits and for more information about the show, please visit mynerdyyear.wordpress.com.